You are listening to Messy in the Middle, the show here to help you navigate the messy blend that is life and business today. I'm your host, Haley Johnson, and my guests and I are here to dish out all the hot takes, big wins, and seriously messy moments that come with being an entrepreneur. So grab another cup of coffee, you know you want to, and let's get into it. Welcome back to Messy in the Middle. With me today, I have Mallory Fusanti. Yes. Is that how you say it? <laughs> I have Mallory. Um, Mallory is a fractional CMO and approximately 7 million other things that I probably could not do justice. So I will let her introduce herself. Take it away, Mallory. Welcome to the Hello. show. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so I currently am a fractional CMO and brand and marketing strategist. I have gosh, over a decade of experience working in the marketing industry, but I've also started seven different businesses. So currently I'm running, you know, the CMO business as well as another business that I have with one of my friends. And that is Bright Beta Co. We uh, create planners for kind of ambitious adventures. So really focus on goal setting, but also living life intentionally. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the gist of things. <laughs> I'm so excited to chat with you about all the things because I've been on like a, I'm not actually going to start another business or buy another business, but like, what if I did kick? I think the amount of time I spend on like LoopNet or whatever, where you can like buy existing businesses is kind of embarrassing. (laughs) So I'm so excited to talk to you about your experience with all of these other different businesses, running two businesses at one time. But before we get into all of that, I would love to hear kind of your like nuts and bolts story. How did you get to where you are today in the broader sense? Like, what did you study? What do you want to be when you grow up? Like that kind of vibe. So gosh, I'll try to keep this as short as possible. I mean, we have an hour. (laughs) So I went to school for marketing. So I actually like laugh now because I'm like, now, gosh, I don't even know how long ago it was, like 13 years ago when I graduated. Like now is probably the time that I'm using most of my education 13 years later. But so yeah, I went to school for marketing. I never actually really like expected to be an entrepreneur, to be honest. I kind of was like, yeah, I'm going to get like a marketing job, work in corporate America, all that fun stuff. And then halfway through college, like my sophomore year, I joined the Collegiate Entrepreneurs Organization, CEO for short, basically because like some of my friends did. And I went to their conference in Chicago. And at one of the speakers I went to, he hand paints Air Force Ones. And I thought this was so cool. And I was like, I wonder if any, and like, he's like doing them for like Jay-Z, like big name Mm -hmm. people. So I'm like, cool. And I've always been artistic, love shoes. So I was like, I wonder if anyone's doing this for women and there are, but not quite like what I would want personally. So I was like, Hey, he sells a kid online. Let me buy this and just like kind of see what happens. So it kind of like snowballed and that was my first business. So I started that while I was still in college. Obviously I didn't have quite as much experience because like bootstrapping everything it's you know, I I get why a lot of designers hire CEOs. It's very hard to do both. Um, So long story short, I ended up kind of realizing that 
this wasn't going to potentially be a profitable business without, you know, investors. And I didn't really want to take on any of that. So scrapped that. (laughs) And then I started another company kind of in a similar vein, but instead I was just buying jewelry and accessory like wholesale and basically created an online boutique. So that started doing really well. And during this time, I also had a job as well, um, working for a small PR firm in New York City. That was a whole other journey. It was a very toxic and unhealthy work environment. Yeah, I don't hear um, I great things about working in PR. <laughs> it's almost like they need a little bit of good PR on their own. <laughs> yeah, right. I actually was working for like the social media side of things. So it wasn't quite as crazy and hectic, but it was just like, there's so much turnover. And then at this point, like I had moved, I lived in New York for a little bit, but I moved back to my hometown in Connecticut and I was just working remotely for them. And I don't think my boss liked that too Mm. much. So it was like, kind of like constantly, like my job was being threatened. And I was like, can you just like lay me off? Like, can I go to the beach tomorrow? Like what's going? Like, I just like did not care. at the mm-hmm. So I eventually did get laid off and, but I, you know, saw this coming. So I had been applying for jobs and trying to kind of like figure out my next move, but that I just couldn't find anything I liked. And at that point it was just two of us in the social media department. So my coworker, who's technically my supervisor was like, Hey, like we could just do this ourselves. <laughs> So that's kind of how our other, like my third business kind of Mm -hmm. came to fruition. So I'm still running the accessories company. Long story short, the social media branding design agency, that kind of took off. So I then was kind of like, let me kind of reprioritize. So I put all of my energy and focus into that. And I ran that for about five years with her. We kind of parted ways, which we can get into if you want. Um, And then... I'm always here um, for I, any gossip. So yes. well, I was like, okay, this is like the messy middle. This is yeah. like the messy part of my journey. <laughs> but then I like walked away from that at the end of 2020, like perfect time to, you know, do mm-hmm. that and not have an income. And I was just like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. So I was just kind of like playing around with a million different ideas. I was like flipping furniture at one point. Um, I think everyone creating... gave flipping furniture a try in the Okay, but like it's actually kind of fun. So yeah. <laughs> Then I was just like, all right, I like actually need to make some money now. So marketing is like what I know. And let me just like see, because at that point I kind of was like, I don't know if this is bringing me the fulfillment that I want anymore, but stepping away and then kind of reevaluating and like, I'm doing very different work than what I was doing previously. And it feels a lot more aligned with me. And I just kind of like dipped my toe back in and things just like kind of took off from there. So (laughs) That brings us to today. <laughs> so I have that as four businesses. What are the other yeah. three? <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think I mentioned Bright Beta. So we started Bright mm-hmm. Beta while I was still working the branding social media business. Furniture flipping, I kind of consider that okay. a bit of a, a business. I also, this is kind of, it's under kind of my umbrella right now. I just like sell it on my website, but I consider it kind of separate. I have affirmation cards that I sell. That's seven. Okay. (laughs) Like I 
did not keep track of this. Yeah, I wasn't trying to like stick you to the number. I was just curious because I was making a list so that I knew like, yeah. I to go back to. Um, Honestly, so like, I always I always miss like one or two. So yeah, well, and also like some people define like the number of businesses you've had in such different ways. Like I know some people who mm-hmm. are like your business is your LLC. If you change what you're doing, that doesn't count as changing your business unless you like get a new LLC, like get a new asset. And I'm like that's so much paperwork. Like, yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> people, people definitely would probably consider like the furniture thing as a hobby and, mm-hmm. and the affirmation cards as more of like a hobby, but I treat them as businesses or I treated them as businesses. So I consider them businesses. Right. Yeah. I had my very <laughs> first like business was my best friend and I in elementary school used to make jewelry in her parents basement and we like exclusively made jewelry with stuff that we got like as gifts or with like birthday money and Christmas money it wasn't like we had our parents like bankrolling it and there was like something we wanted we wanted like new bead bags we wanted something and we were like well Mother's Day is coming up we have backpacks we know kids who probably didn't get their parents like their mom's stuff for Mother's Day and we're like spelling in the like backyard during recess at school and we made like $80 and the teachers were like cool 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 we're proud of you you are not allowed to do this again (laughs) and like that was my first business but I was like nine I didn't have an LLC but it still kind of (laughs) counts well listen if we are going to consider that too my brother and I when we were kids we my grandma used to watch us um, when my parents worked and there were two sisters that lived across the street. So they would come over in the summer. And my grandma, luckily, my grandma did not care. She was awesome. But we'd like literally pick her flowers and sell them out front. <laughs> and then in the winter, she had pine trees in the backyard. So we'd pull down the greenery and pine cones and sell those so people could make their own wreaths. Yeah. <laughs> because, because we wanted, we were real extra. We wanted to buy one of those like sheds that you could turn into like a clubhouse. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And then like years later, the parents of the sisters like found, we like just put our money in a Pringles and they found it and they were like, yeah, so like some of this is your money. And I think we each got like 30 something dollars. And I was like, okay, we did like actually pretty well as kids up between four people. (laughs) That's amazing. So I will let you choose your own adventure, which you would like to get into first, either talking about the exit from your design social media agency, or I just want to talk a little bit about what your experience has been like running multiple different kinds of businesses at once, because Mm -hmm. that's something that's always like, seems really exciting to me, but also intimidating as someone who really struggles with like task management. So I will let you decide which one you want to dive into first. So let's go with the exit from the previous business, because I think that ties in with how I manage running two companies now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what was the, tell me kind of like the process of you deciding that you wanted to make that an exit or like when you kind of realized and then how long did that take to go from like, I don't think I want to do this anymore to we're done. Mm -hmm. Bye. (laughs) I love that you said we're done bye because I have a feeling that's how it actually sounded when I said (laughs) (laughs) the process I am such like I'm an internal processor so I don't really like to fully voice 
my frustrations and concerns until I kind of like have a better grasp on them myself, which I think kind of bit me in the butt here, Mm. where I wish I had been a little bit more open and kind of like sharing kind of where I thought things were going. Because on the surface, like we really did, like we would get together set aside time to kind of like talk about, you know, goals planning for like the next year, for example, and like where we saw that and everything. And, you know, hindsight is always 2020, but, you know, looking back, I'm like, yeah, like we weren't really talking about like probably the important parts of things. Mm -hmm. So it was really, you know, difficult to kind of like navigate that. So essentially (laughs) there was, there's a lot of things that kind of like came together. And I think the pandemic really put a spotlight on how differently the two of us were actually looking at the business and treating the business. And I had frustrations prior to that and kind of tried to like bring them up and, you know, talk through some things, how we want to like move forward. But the pandemic really was like, oh yeah, like we are really looking at this and we're not like on the same page at all when it comes to like the business how we want to like move forward, how we're going to like handle kind of the crazy weird time that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. So then that's causing a lot of like internal angst where I'm just like, okay, can I salvage this partnership on my end and have discussions? There was there would be like discussions or try to be discussions like, okay, like we need to kind of pivot in another direction. And we did to a point, but then it just was like so much mental energy. And I think I like got myself burnt out where I was just like, I actually need to like completely step back. Cause the more I thought about it, the more I was like realizing that when we did start this business, I, I was in survival mode when we, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got laid off. I didn't know <laughs> where I was going to get my next paycheck. And we decided to start this business together And it was kind of her idea. And I just kind of like joined on. So I didn't really put a ton of stock in like what the name is, what the branding is and all of that. And not that there's anything wrong with it. I just didn't feel like it fully represented me as a person. It was a really bright and colorful brand, which, you know, if you can see, I am not (laughs) a person. I'm a little bit more like neutrals or like muted, like colors and things like that. Um, which like isn't a big deal, but when you kind of are the face, one of the faces of a business, it's hard to kind of step into that when you don't feel like you're being your most authentic self. Yeah. Did you feel like coming into that partnership with the pre-existing hierarchy of like, they were your supervisor and like, I'm assuming they didn't get laid off when you got laid off. So like, did they still have their job? Like, did it kind of still feel like you were working for them instead of with them? Or was it more of an even footing from the start because you were on this like newer venture? Yeah. So that was a kind of always a concern for me, but I will say that even though that was technically the structure of our relationship at our previous job, we were always kind of, she always treated me as an equal. Like mm-hmm. it never really felt like she was technically a supervisor unless I like really like, you know, needed something and we had to do that. So luckily that was never really kind of a problem. 
yeah, maybe there were times where it felt like that, but I'm sure it probably felt like that for her um, mm-hmm. and me as well. Just, you know, voicing, you know, concerns and kind of trying to work through certain things and or needing stuff and everything. I think the bigger problem for me was, uh, so she did, she stayed at the company for a little bit, but she kind of was like, if we're going to do this, let's do it. So I got laid off. Then the PR director like quit, I think it was. Um, and we were all like friends. And then my business partner left like at the end of the year. And there was one social media client that we had that I was solely responsible for managing. So essentially they laid me off, but they were like, hey, you're the only one that's been working on this. So can you like stay on and like just freelance on this one client? So I did I'm pretty sure that's illegal coming in. <laughs> It is. Well, the problem was she asked my boss, like the actual boss, asked me to go freelance, but still work, you know, normal business hours and like all of these things. And I was like, that's illegal. Like you can't do that. So I said no. And then I got laid off. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I'm not sure if you know Kira from Paradigm, but she does like HR consulting and I just like have her voice echoing in the back of my head all the time. Like, that's illegal. You can't do that. That's an employee position. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely was. I didn't care quite as much because it was only one client. And I was like, it's nice to have money. And I actually like really liked the client I was working on. So I was like, it's fine, whatever. I'll do it through the end of their contract is essentially. And it was like really only like a month or two, mm-hmm. I think. It wasn't anything crazy. But yeah, so she left and then we both were full-time in the business getting it going. What was that like from a, and you don't have to like go into the details, details of this, but like, what was this like from a financial perspective? Like, I know how stressful it is to be running a business that's solely responsible for, you know, me keeping the roof over my head. Was there... I'm assuming there was extra pressure because you basically needed to make double the money. But was there like a shared vision of how you would each be able to like take money from the business or was there like a structure in place for that? Or was it kind of like willy-nilly? It wasn't fully structured and it wasn't quite willy-nilly. There was there was just some adjustments that we mm-hmm. were making. So when we first started, like she actually had some design experience. So we kind of knew that we were going to do social media brand design. So like logos and then um, Squarespace design. So those were kind of like our three big offerings that we were going to have. And really my experience was in social media. I didn't really like have much experience with Squarespace. I definitely am like not a designer (laughs) at all. So at first it was like, oh, we're going to kind of like split it by what the project is that like comes on. And, you know, so whoever's doing like the more, more work kind of like gets it. But then very quickly realized like that's kind of like ridiculous and impossible because while you're working on something like I could be bringing in more business and Mm -hmm. you know kind of restructuring it so then it was very much like a 50-50 partnership so we split everything 50-50 that came in and luckily for me at that time I had a lot less stress because I left New York and was Mm. living back in Connecticut And not only was I living back in Connecticut, I'm living in a house that my parents are the landlord for. Mm. So while I'm paying rent, it's not thousands of dollars in rent. So I luckily had a little bit of that 
kind of cushion and my parents are, you know, amazing humans. So they, they really were like, if you can't afford it, like, just let us know, Mm -hmm. Um, which I'm like, I appreciate, but it also like over my dead body, I'm paying you guys. (laughs) Yeah. But the psychological safety is still huge there. Yes, exactly. So that was really helpful for me. So a lot of the focus was on like, okay, like you live in New York city, like you have like real big girl bills. (laughs) So we need to get things like rolling. And like, we luckily were able to get things going fairly quickly. And we were bringing in money because we both had like our own networks that we could kind of like bring into the fold. So that was, you know, super helpful. You know, obviously in the beginning, there's a lot of ups and downs, but I think we both kind of had enough savings where we could kind of survive. But then at the the end of things, then, you know, I now have a mortgage and I have to, you know, pay that mortgage and all of these things. And, you know, that business allowed me to buy this house. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's my full-time income. And I did have um, bright beta at the time, but like that even now is not something that would sustain me. Like Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be making a full-time income off of that. Like we joke, it's a full-time, it's like a a whole business, but it's like our side gig. Right. Um, But so that was really kind of like scary for me, but I had built up kind of, I call it my like FU fund. So I built up a a decent savings. I kind of had a bit of a plan. I wanted to do some like kind of confidence coaching for women. So I kind of was like working through and kind of figuring out some of that stuff. I still had a little bit of money coming from the business because, you know, we had to, we had money in the account and we had to like decide what to do with it. (laughs) Yeah. Like pay our accountant to like do our taxes and then like, okay, now we have money that we Mm -hmm. then split 50, 50. And so I still had a little bit of like, it wasn't, you know, a ton of money, but anything helps at that point. Yeah. (laughs) Luckily I was able to kind of like sustain myself off of that savings that I had put in place um, before this, um, which I just kind of was like lucky enough to have um, because I didn't like fully plan this exit (laughs) out. Like years or even like months in advance. Like I think I had told her, I think it was around mid-October that I thought it was time for me to kind of like move on. And then we had it closed by the end of December. So it was pretty fast. Yeah. Wow. Do you think that if you were to compare and contrast, like taking the leap from not working in the PR job anymore, although that technically wasn't your choice, into working in the design and social media business, like to compare that leap to the leap of leaving the design and social media business and then diving into your own, what has evolved into the fractional CMO thing. Like if you were to compare and contrast, do you have like a positive and a negative for each one that like if you were to do it again, you could create your dream exit? it's hard because getting like laid off like I actually often say like I because the the big question for most entrepreneurs that want to go full-time with their business is like how do I know when is the right time Mm -hmm. to like leave my my job and then go full-time on my business because realistically a lot of the times you can't quite match your salary with your business because you're only working on that technically part-time usually Mm -hmm. 
So I actually joke all the time that if I hadn't been like shoved out the door and into full-time entrepreneurship, I'm not quite sure how long it would have taken me to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, So I actually think that's kind of, that was actually a blessing to me to just kind of like do it, figure it out Um, because it worked out, you know, for me, obviously it doesn't, you know, work out for everyone, but it was something that worked out. It was stressful at the time. But it was such like a long process of my job constantly being threatened that Mm -hmm. I think at that point I was just like relieved to no longer have to like deal with it. Yeah. Like you were emotionally ready, even if you might not have been financially ready. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And then this time leaving um, my business, this was probably a bigger, scarier transition just because it was it it was more money than I had been making at the PR agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had, you know, a higher salary that I then was like used to having. I have higher bills um, than I did previously. And I didn't really have a plan in place mm-hmm. <laughs> on how like I did kind of, but it wasn't really something I was super confident that I could like pull off. And I just, I really like floundered in the next like six, seven months, which I think was probably a good thing for me in the long run, um, because I am very much like a planner. So to then have to like kind of figure things out on my feet and everything, I think that actually helped build my confidence a little bit more, but leaving this company also I had started over and like ended other businesses before. So it wasn't foreign territory for me. Mm -hmm. The foreign territory was just that I was no longer going to have a full time income, which also, you know, had dropped during the pandemic, you know, during that first year. So then it's also like, oh, I don't know. Like, is this just like totally going down the tubes anyway? I don't Mm -hmm. know. That's something that I always like, is a blessing and a curse, I think, for me and my business journey has been, I never had a full-time job with a full-time salary. Like, I graduated college and got a temp gig that was fine, but, like, I didn't go to college to answer phones that no one ever called. Like, that wasn't, it was a great summer gig when I was, like, looking for work, but it was not stimulating in the Mm -hmm. slightest. (laughs) But so from the very first time that I was like out on my own, paying rent on my own, living on my own, it was like I had between four and six jobs at all times putting together, you know, the $2,500 a month that I needed to live. And so every step since then has kind of just been like, okay, well, I'm not happy with these $500 worth of work. I'll find $500 new dollars worth of work. And like that's made it really like I've been really scrappy in my business in that way because I can always like replace anything. Like I feel like Abby Lee Miller, I'm like, everyone's replaceable from Dance Moms. But at the same time, it's also like you would have to pry this business out of my cold dead hands before you get me to have a full-time job. Even if that full-time job is like triple what I'm making now because all of that flexibility just disappears. Yeah. And, and that is a good point because the job that I had did not have benefits. Mm. So I wasn't actually losing really anything right. um, from, from, I've never had, like, I do not have a 401k. Like I, 
I've always paid for my own health insurance. And, you know, so I, I've never really had like that benefit. So I can see how leaving a job with all those things right. would also be very scary. But it's funny when I left my business, you know, I'm just like trying to figure out what to do and everything. And even my mom was like, I don't, I don't think you can like work for somebody else like ever again. And I was like, no, I can't. Like it just, it's not in like my DNA. Like I just cannot. And that's also like a big part because the flexibility, like you said, that's really a big part of why I wanted to have my own business. And, and this, I think is a, an unintentional mistake. A lot of entrepreneurs do make, especially if you're transitioning from a full-time job, we, from my perspective, we accidentally like recreated the agency that we had left. Yeah. Um, not so much in like the toxic nature, but like we were nine to five thirty. Like those were the hours we worked there. Like we didn't even adjust to them. Like we just kind of like fell into that. And then I just like felt like I constantly had to like be online, be plugged in. And like, I really, this is so silly, but like, I really hated having to be like, Oh, Hey, I'm just going to like run to the grocery store or like go take my dog for a walk. Like, I just, I didn't feel like I wanted to like do that. And I just didn't feel like I had the full flexibility that I wanted as an entrepreneur. And I didn't see that happening really anytime soon with how we had structured that company, which, you know, some people really like having that structure, but I didn't. It like yeah. slowly, slowly killed me. <laughs> I think I think a lot of times in entrepreneurship, we look at like the idea of like freelancing versus having like a quote unquote real business. And we look at them as like two separate and very unequal entities that like you have to be one or the other. Either you're a freelancer and you're miserable and you're like running around all over the place and you're like chicken with your head cut off or you have a real business and you have working hours and you have firm boundaries and you have like everything perfectly in place and I think it's not until oh god I'm gonna say the name of the show in the show but like it's not until you like realize that you can sit in that messy middle and like if that's what makes you happy you can stay there that we realize like we truly are like the architects of our own businesses. Like I used to be so rigid about my working hours. And I was also in the headspace of like, well, I want to work less than a full-time work week. And I want to have, you know, eight to 12 or like 10 to two. Like I want these like super reduced hours to like have freedom and be able to do whatever I want. And then I'm like, well, if I have a question for a client on a Thursday afternoon, I don't want to have to schedule it for Friday morning. I just want to ask the question and they'll get to it when they get to it. And then they'll mm -hmm. learn that they can like ask me questions and I'll get to it when I get to it. And like your business can just be what makes you happy. It doesn't have to be like what you're growing up expecting a business to look like. And I think that's something that we don't really realize until we hit it like a brick wall. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. Because it's it's been interesting, kind of rebuilding with that perspective in mind. Um, because I do tend to be like a workaholic. Mm -hmm. um, I I really enjoy what I do. So you know, working nights and weekends is not really it's not a really big deal to me. I know that's like so taboo to say, but like sometimes I actually enjoy working nights and weekends more because everything's just really 
it's so funny. I live alone. So everything's always quiet, but like <laughs> my inbox is quiet. Yeah. I just, some, for some reason I can just focus so much better. So I've actually been playing around with like, okay, work when you have kind of that clarity and that energy to like do it. And like, that's normally in the mornings, you know, between like one and three, I'm not always the most productive. So let me go take my dog for a walk or, you know, do something Mm -hmm. or just like sit on the couch and watch TV if I want. And then maybe pick things back up in the evening if I want. And like, it changes from day to day and just kind of like depending on my mood. So it's, it's been an interesting, cause I'm kind of like still in that mindset of like, Oh, stop working. Like at night, Mallory, like what are you doing? But it's like, you can do whatever you want. If you have the energy and you want to just like do it, just don't be working 24 seven, like a crazy person. (laughs) Right. There's like such a big difference between working on weekends because it's the weekend. And the thing that you want to do is work and working on weekends because you don't know how to do anything but work. Mm -hmm. And like making that transition is something that no one can really I think prepare you for or force you into you kind of just have to decide for yourself like no this is how I want to spend my time and I'm allowed to because I'm a grown-up yes and everyone is different too so like all the time like the things that like drive me crazy are just like oh yeah like the most successful people get up at like 5 a.m cool awesome I'm not one of like I am not doing that (laughs) like I'll get up to go to the gym but like not at 5 a.m like no, this is not happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not making my bed. I'm not, not going to the gym. Like, you know, half the time I'm like in like not real clothes. Well, real clothes, but I, right. I call like jeans real clothes. Like I'm in like yoga pants and like workout clothes. <laughs> I have pajama shorts on right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because you can. Exactly. And we can still be successful doing it. <laughs> yes. So when you're running like multiple businesses at once, you said you're generally pretty good at like planning and prioritizing when it comes to the, like, which business you're depending on, how do you decide like, okay, this is going to be the business that gives me money to pay my mortgage, or this is going to be the business that gives me money to like do fun things. Like, how do you decide which one is like the horse to bet on in that moment? Mm -hmm. And how do you then like stay engaged and like trying to grow the other side of things. Yeah. So we can go back to the like accessory, like retail online boutique that I had and starting the design social media and design agency. So that was kind of the first time I was like managing two companies and it just was like product-based companies, in my opinion, are a little bit harder to like grow into like a full-time income just because you have a larger expenses typically because mm-hmm. you have to buy inventory and, and things like that. So that's kind of just like, it kind of naturally fell that way where I was just bringing in more money from the design and social media agency um, because we had really low overhead and we were, wor- we were very good at keeping our expenses down. Like we were like the cheapest people alive. We were like, (laughs) let's find the free version of everything that we possibly can. So our expenses were incredibly low. That allowed me to bring in more money and, you know, pay my bills. And eventually I just was like, you know, this is paying my bills. It's so maybe if I put a hundred percent focus into it, that actually will you know, grow even more. Mm -hmm. Um, And the accessories 
company was doing, you know, all right, but it definitely was like not remotely, like it was like chump change compared to what I was bringing. And so it was kind of a no brainer for me Mm -hmm. now with CMO company and uh, Bright Beta, which is a product-based company, kind of a, a similar thing where, you know, started Bright Beta while I had my other business and my business partner for um, Bright Beta also has a, her own company. So we both kind of like have always had like our own separate entities. And, and really how this came about was we both constantly every year were like, what planner did you buy? What planner did you buy? Do you like it? No, cool. Like we could just do this ourselves. Right. Kind of, we just created what we wanted. So, you know, that does really well in its own right. But again, inventory costs a lot of money. So that part of thing, and, and it's very seasonal for us. You know, we, we don't have um, like school year, like academic years. We only do the regular calendar year. Mm-hmm. We keep kind of our variations. Like we only just like have four different colors. Um, and we've been really kind of intentional behind that because we actually are the ones that are also like shipping out everything. Like we are a two woman show for the most part that has been a conversation that we've had like a lot. And, and this is kind of where it ties back into the other partnership where we are constantly checking in with each other of like, okay, how are you feeling? Like we both have like these full blown businesses that like support us in their own right. Like we don't really need to have bright beta like for financial reasons mm-hmm. other than like we just like this and we want the planner to exist and we have joked like if we ever close this we're just gonna like produce two and just like have them for <laughs> ourselves but that's like constantly a conversation it's like okay where are you at where are you at like you know it does get really difficult in that busy season so usually like October through kind of January is a really busy time. We're shipping, you know, tons of planners because people are buying them for the start of the new year and everything. And, you know, we're pretty good at like tag teaming. So if I have a lot of stuff going on, like, I'll just be like, Hey, like, I don't think I can get to these orders right now. And she'll go. So that's like a really nice benefit of having a business partner. And we both are very much like, if this stops becoming fun and it's creating more chaos and stress in our lives, then like, let's have a conversation of like, how do we fix this? And do we want to keep going forward? Because that was really, I think one of the biggest pieces of like my previous business partner and I, we never discussed the end. Like Mm. it was just always kind of like, yeah, no, this is like, great. We're never going to like end this. And then when it did, it was, we didn't have any type of plan in place. You know, we're just kind of like pulling things together, trying to figure out valuations. How are we going to, you know, are you going to buy my half out? Like what's happening here? And it was just like chaos, um, which is already a chaotic time and a big transition. So to have less of that because you have a plan and you're communicating really clearly, I think is really kind of a big, important piece of it. So, you know, I getting to like the prior prioritization of actually like running the two, you know, since I have more of the marketing background, I kind of take on more of that side of things 
uh, my business partner, she uh, is like a, an artist, illustrator, graphic designer by nature. So she takes on a little bit more of that stuff. So she kind of owns the like talking to the manufacturer and all, like, I don't know what any of those things mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll take on more of like the marketing side of things. And obviously we, you know, talk to each other and kind of consult and everything. And that was a conversation we had this year of like, you know, okay, production, we constantly are having issues with production as you do with product-based businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, But it feels like it's like just ah, ever, always like a problem. So the conversation was like, this is causing so much stress for us. We're having to reship product to customers because there's an issue and we don't know until they open it up because Mm -hmm. everything is shrink wrapped. So that was like a big conversation her and I had of like, okay, how do I take some of that off of your plate? Like, is there a way, what do we want to do moving forward? And just having these like really like more open conversations on like how to actually move forward instead of just like, oh yeah, I think like we could like look at this revenue stream or add this in and then like, but not having like a plan behind it. Right. Um, I think that has been really helpful. And for us to both kind of be like, you know, if one of us ever isn't feeling this, like, let's just chat and we can kind of figure out what we want to do with it. So it's just like a lot less pressure. And I think that's different because it is kind of like, quote unquote, our side gig. So Mm -hmm. there's not as much pressure of like, oh, Mallory relies on this income or Amber relies on this income. So like, I can't, it's going to like upend their life because that was a big, internal struggle I had was like, this is our main income. And if I'm ending walking away, you know, I'm uprooting somebody else's life. Mm -hmm. Like I'm unfortunately making a decision for somebody else. And that was hard for me to like, kind of wrestle with because I don't want to cause chaos in anyone's life, but also need to do what's right for me. Yeah, definitely. So you currently have a product-based business and a service-based business. If you were to like snap your fingers and add on like a dream third business, what would it be? Because I've been thinking about this a lot lately, just like for fun. And it's kind of boring, but I'm into it. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, I need to know what yours is too. I want to open up just like a super chill, fun laundromat. Very like if... Fiona got to do what she wanted to do on Shameless and the people who are listening to this are like Haley shut up because I talked about this in another podcast episode I just think it would be so fun like doing laundry sucks if I could do laundry somewhere that smelled good and wasn't sticky like I have laundry in my basement I would go to a cool laundromat instead okay, of my basement also laundry mats make banks yeah so I just yeah. don't have enough money to buy one yeah yeah that's actually funny that you the reason and I like made that face when you said that is because so my business partner for Bright Beta and I we go um on like road trips together we're very much into like hiking and like overlanding so we like literally built a bed in the back of her Xterra and we go off-roading and like Mm -hmm. sleep in like we live in a car for like a month it's very luxurious but so we have to go to laundromats to, to do our laundry but we also need to wash our dishes and we also need to take showers. Mm -hmm. Um, So her and I are like, why is there not like a combination of the three? Like you could do these, especially if we go in the Southwest, we're like, these would be huge in the Southwest, like, and have like a little coffee shop in it. So 
So we were daydreaming about that on our last trip. That's not really the business I, mean, I go for, but... The cynic in me knows that probably the reason something like that doesn't exist is because, like, the unhoused population would be the people who benefit mm-hmm. most from it. And, like, that's not supporting the capitalist economy that we <laughs> yeah. uh, live in. But, no, that's an amazing idea. But, yeah. yeah. So what would your, your dream third fun business be if you have one? Gosh. So for a really long time, I'm kind of, like, on the fence about this now with how the housing market is but my my plan was always to get into real estate investing mm. um so buying like more probably airbnb style places um so i can also go enjoy them and like that was like kind of the the purpose behind the current house that i'm in um that i bought was turning this in this would be a long term um rental but everyone and their mom is now doing Airbnbs. So I've kind of cooled on the idea because also trying to just like buy a different property, like for myself, mm-hmm. the market is just, at least in Raleigh, it is insane. People are you in are, are you in North Carolina? I am. Yeah. Okay. My grandparents live in North Carolina. Okay. They live in that area. So yeah. yeah so I'm very I don't know if you've like heard. It yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> like before the market went nuts, like I even paid a little bit over ask for this house and now it's like you know 30,000 over ask and I can't afford that right now um for what I currently want so I'm just like yeah it's all these investors like coming in and like kind of messing things up for just like regular people that are trying to buy houses like for themselves so now it just feels a little icky to me Mm -hmm. so I'm not as sure that that's like the right move for me moving forward but I am really interested this this is like long term, but being just like a general investor for small businesses, mm-hmm. I don't quite have like the capital to be able to do that yet. But essentially, like invest, you know, just investing in small businesses, primarily, you know, women led, would be awesome because we all know that funding is harder to come by for us. And just like, it's like let's be real, like most of the VCs and angel investors are looking at these like businesses that are going to make them like millions where I'm just mm-hmm. like, I don't like how about like some small businesses put a little bit of money in yeah, and like help you kind of like move forward. So that would, that's currently kind of like in the back of my mind um, for as a next step. Yeah, definitely. And that's also what makes it like your fun dream hypothetical next mm-hmm. step is like, you don't need to have an action plan. It doesn't need to be practical. You yep. can just be like, look at this fun fantasy I have and like whatever happens. I mean, happens. listen, that's like how I roll. I'm constantly just like on Zillow looking at like houses that are like hundreds of thousands more than yeah. I can afford and just like visualizing and pretending I live there. <laughs> yeah. I love looking at Zillow. I bought my house in 2021 and I remember when I did it, I like started looking in the beginning of January and I closed on a house by like MLK day like it was super fast but I looked at a ton of houses in that time and my parents who bought their most recent house in what 1998 were like keep looking you'll find something else there will be something better there'll be something cheaper and I was like I don't think so and so after I closed my house I like religiously checked the MLS like weekly to see like would they have been right and they would not have been right mm-hmm. <laughs> the last house on my street that sold after mine sold for like 50k more than mine did and then the house like 
near me just sold for like almost a hundred more than mine did. And I'm like, I did a good job. Say, now you got <laughs> lots of equity in your house. My house isn't as nice as they are, but the point being like, no, I no would big. not have found a better house. Yeah. I bought the last house. That's funny. I actually decided that I was going to buy and like close on my house. I think it was like in a two, it might not even been two months or maybe it was because I guess like the closing period. Um, yeah. but it was like, very fast too and everyone in my life was like you just like were like I'm gonna buy a house and did it yeah well (laughs) I think too as like an entrepreneur and then as someone who's like gone through the house buying process the house buying process is like all consuming like Mm -hmm. you're constantly looking to see what's coming up especially when you're like doing it during the pandemic it's like you need to look you know, as soon as it comes on the market so that you can get an offer in before all the investors start coming in and putting things Mm -hmm. up. So it's like this all-consuming process. So while you're looking for a house, you're also not really working that much. Like, I don't know what your experience was like, but like, I did not get a lot done (laughs) between deciding I wanted to buy a house and actually buying a house. Yeah, because I was looking on the other side of Raleigh too. So it was to go look at houses. I'm driving at least a half an hour Mm -hmm. to like go you know, look at them. So I just constantly was, I was working at my previous business before when I did this and I would just like tell my business partner, like, I have a, I have a, I got to go see this listing, like, Mm -hmm. see ya. So like, I'll be back later. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a very Um, disruptive process. It really is. But I also think that like, I mean, I knew that the market here was like kind of crazy and like, you know, had to like look and everything. And so and I had looked in the neighborhood that I'm in. I looked at a few other townhouses. Mm-hmm. And then when this one came on the market, I was like, oh my God, like it has granite countertops, like all these like new like finishes. Like this is way nicer than anything else I've looked at. But it also is like weirdly like a little cheaper than some of the other ones. So I was like, I know this is like a really good value if it's as good in person. Mm-hmm. And I like got my realtor, like went there and like, I'm just like, in my now bedroom, like talking to him. And I was like, let's do this. Like, how much do I need to do? I know I need to put on over ask. Were they like, shut up in case there's uh, cameras and microphones in there? Because that's what my realtor did to me when I told him I liked this. (laughs) So yeah, there was like, somebody was definitely still living there. So it was like a renter lived here Mm -hmm. before, um, which get yourself a friend that's like the FBI. My friend finds all this information. It's crazy. She like, found who owned the house and everything like beforehand so we knew that the like very few remaining pieces of furniture were renters Mm -hmm. um it was always an investment property for them so there was like really nothing in the house so Mm -hmm. I don't know where they would have hit the cameras (laughs) I don't know I just know that's like when I was looking at houses my realtor was like never say anything within like earshot of the house mm-hmm. in case someone's listening I was like, okay <laughs> I mean that that is a good rule of thumb but I did just felt very <laughs> like like I was in a James Bond movie I was like I feel like a spy <laughs> so I have one last question yeah. to kind of swing it back around to marketing before we go so after I got your podcast pitch I didn't even click on any of the links to your website and I went on Pinterest and my Pinterest was like full of your blog posts which I think is very creepy from an internet perspective um but one of the blog posts that came up that really like struck with me I didn't even read it I just saw the like title and I was like I need to create content about this so I don't want to like get uh like ideas or whatever was this idea of a marketing plan versus a marketing strategy so if you could give like 
your biggest difference or the biggest important reason to have one over the other or both? Kind of like if you have one sentence about a marketing plan versus a marketing strategy, what would it be? Because I think the episode before or after this one is going to be my take on that. Yes, I love it. Well, shout out to Coley, who's my Pinterest manager. Um, <laughs> so props to her for getting all of that out there. You're doing a great job. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, okay. I don't know if I can do this in one sentence, but marketing strategy, I would say is like more of your like high level piece. Um, and this is going to include your brand strategy. Um, so it's more of like the key messaging that you are going to be putting out kind of an overview of like what channels you're using. So marketing channels and the plan is like more of the like nitty gritty, like details. So I would say have both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, most people focus more on like the plan side of things of like, I need to post on social media this many times a week, which you do need, but like there needs to be a higher level strategy. Like what's the goal here? How are we going to communicate your unique value proposition proposition and all of those pieces? That is kind of the strategy piece that informs the plan. So I usually start strategy wise and then kind of break it down into the plan. Yeah. And then if someone has a marketing plan, but maybe not a strategy to connect it back to, like, that's probably the answer for why they're not getting the results that they're looking for. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So I actually do have a lot of clients that'll come to me that's they've already been kind of you know, in business and everything. So we kind of then look like, what are you already doing? Look at your analytics. And that will, for me, it's easy. It might not be as easy for other people, but typically if you're looking at the analytics, you can then kind of see if you know what you're looking at and you know Mm -hmm. what each of them mean, it starts to kind of tell you a story of like, oh, this, maybe your bounce rate on your website's really high. Yeah. So you can like reverse engineer your strategy. Exactly. Like, so then like, how are they getting to your website? Is it an ad? Okay. Is that ad like actually telling them like, or is it misleading? And they're getting to your site and saying like, oh, this is not what I was expecting. So they leave your site. So you can kind of start, yeah, reverse engineer from there. Um, So not the end of the world if you don't have a strategy, um, but typically if you are not seeing the results that you want, having a strategy is going to help inform that and make sure that everything kind of all the dots are connected essentially for you. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for spending your morning with me. This was awesome. And I had so much fun getting to know you better before we let everybody go. Is there anything you want to promote or plug or where can people find you to get to know you better? So I don't really have anything super that I would like want to plug right now. (laughs) I just, I, if you need help with developing a marketing strategy, I'm your girl. If you need somebody to help make sure that your marketing is being implemented in a strategic way also can help you with that. Um, but you can find me on social media. So I'm most active on, um, Instagram ramping up my LinkedIn, um, right now, both are at Mallory Sante and my website is also mallormusante.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you to our listeners for sticking around for quite a meaty episode. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Messy in the Middle. Bye. Bye.